Well, welcome to the Huntback Country Podcast. For this episode, it's a part two. So hopefully you caught our previous episode number 207 with Paul and Nate from First Light. We were talking about their sheep tags from this past fall in Idaho and the stories from that hunt, which were amazing. We actually kind of left the previous episode on a cliffhanger with Nate, and that's right where we're going to pick it up today. So as you recall, Nate had just dropped his sheep, but hadn't yet recovered it, and that's where we dive into the story. It all just happened so quick because I didn't want to lose an opportunity, and so it was pretty much crawl, <laughs> crawl up to that spot, look through the scope, there he is, shoot, and just racked another bullet and shot again, like just didn't even think about it and then all of a sudden it was just yeah the ringing in the ears from the 300 wind mag just like yeah i could hear my heart beating and then i'm like looking and i'm like i think i just killed him and dan and like dan looks over at me and we just start like hooting and hollering and we were hooting and hollering at greg who was up the drainage on the scope too he could hear us so that was pretty funny wow yeah that's kind of my kill story i know it's probably super hard to put into words but we also can't skip over it. Like, what was it like to walk up and put your hands on him? Uh, it was, I had never wanted to punch a tag so bad in my entire life. So that feeling was just, I, yeah, it was next level. It was, it, it, it I'm not a very emotional guy, but it was definitely like a tear jerking kind of, kind of experience for sure. Um, I didn't, no tears were shed. I think Dan was crying. He's a, he's a crier. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's throw Dan under the bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's not here. He can handle it. Um, but no, it was it was very cool. I had never touched bighorn uh, horns before, mm. and I just had dreams about that. Just the feeling of the texture and the smell. They smell kind of pitchy from them just beating up brush and stuff, and mm-hmm. it is just cool. It's just straight cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really neat. I've actually had that thought almost subconsciously, like when I see sheep like that. And most of the time it's a mount or something. But I have seen, you know, just some skulls and horns. And it's like, I almost don't even want, like, I don't know. Like, I don't even want to. I just want one day, almost like you said with your story, like that be the first time I really put my hands on the animal is when it's mine. Yeah. And that was that was important to me for sure. They're wicked cool, man. I feel like they're one of those animals that are almost hard to appreciate on a certain level until you have that up close and personal experience with them, you know? Otherwise, they're kind of just like a a fantasy for a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. But hunting them and getting to know them, it's not hard to see how guys get the sheep bug. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I, I did for sure. Yeah, let's skip to you, Paul, and we'll come back, Nate, and talk more about like some of the post-hunt stuff, but I want to make sure, obviously, we leave time. It's crazy to even do a podcast with <laughs> with two sheep stories from guys who literally sit next to each other and all that in the same season, same state. It's wild, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll skip all the, I'm sure, mini celebrations and pack-out stories and you getting back to the office, and Paul, I'm sure you were stoked for Nate, but let's jump into your hunt. Like you said, later into October, uh, what port, what part of October was that? that you ended up flying in? Oh, we flew in, I think it was September 28th. It was the 29th. It was the last few days of September. Okay. Yeah. And at least at the beginning of the hunt, what was weather like? I know you guys got in some gnarly stuff, but was that from the beginning weather was sketchy or how did that play out in the first couple of days there? Yeah, we knew going in, 
I mean, every weather source we checked it, it was going to turn nasty really quick. Uh, I think most of the state got hit by it that early, late September, early October storm. Uh, We flew in on a Saturday, and it was 55, 60 degrees and sunny when we touched down. And by the time we'd hiked about five, six miles up into higher country, you could just see this dark ominous front rolling in on us from the west and one of those where you're looking at the far peaks and you can see them and then they disappear and then the mid-range peaks disappear then the close peaks disappear and it actually cut us short i knew we weren't going to be able to get as high as we ultimately wanted to be that night so we ended up dropping camp about six miles in at lower probably two thousand feet below where we wanted to be that first night just because the weather rolled in so hard on us i mean it went from like i said darn near 60 degrees that morning to spitting sleet starting to snow that night and the next day we woke up to five inches of fresh snow <laughs> country yep it, i mean that country's steep did you have a particular like I think this looks like a good camp spot because obviously you're flying in, you're dealing with, you're getting dropped where you get dropped. Like there's only so many places to land and strips. Were you, was the plan to head in this vicinity or to get to this elevation or were you heading to like a specific point? Yeah. Um, my whole frame of mind with, with my hunt and for Nate and I was, to do everything we had to do to stay on that mountain, no matter how nasty it got. Like the last thing I wanted to do was be forced to retreat to lower ground and waste time while we were in there. We had nine, potentially 10 days were packed and loaded down for that amount of time. And if we don't get it done, we, I could have maybe done like a last ditch two, three day effort, in a you know less desirable corner of the unit so like th- this was it it's like this is yeah we're putting all our chips in here you know mm-hmm. um th- th- we did have a goal we-, we had a point we wanted to make it to um an old lookout an old force service lookout and we'd heard rumor that there may be a spring up there maybe <laughs> <laughs> and that really is a big deal i not having water is such a weird thing to think about. And if you do any homework on these middle fork sheep units that pops up again and again, guys are like, you can't get water unless Mm -hmm. you drop two, 3000 feet or more. So the snow really was a a godsend, if you will. I mean, we had water at our fingertips the whole time because of the snow. We're just able to melt snow and it really enabled us to, I mean, keep a, keep a good mindset and stay in a good place mentally to, to live up there and hunt effectively. Yeah. And this was just the two of you, Nate and Paul. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just the two of us. It, yeah. How did that thing on, Was that a decision, Nate, that was made after your hunt or were you kind of, once you knew Paul was going later in the season, was it your kind of hope the whole time to be able to go with them? How did that come together? It was kind of, I was a last minute roster addition. Because <laughs> um, like for me, it was I was planning on doing my whole hunt, but I got it done on the second day, and I was out in a weekend. So I freed up all that time I was going to take off, and I was mm-hmm. out 
scouting with Paul one weekend and we were just kind of talking back and forth. He was having a hard time nailing guys down for the trip. And I said, well, shoot, I should go. And from there, it kind of just, yeah, ball started rolling in that direction. And I had to go back. It was like, I just have to get back there. So yeah, um, that's kind of how that all played out. Cool. Yeah. On my end, it was, it was an interesting process figuring out who was going. Uh, I won't, won't name any names, but I had a handful of guys that said they were going right <laughs> from the start, but Somebody was building a house. Somebody was moving to Montana. Somebody had the guide trip. Somebody had photo, video shoots. Like, it's amazing how many guys can go, and then you have to set aside a week to do it. And it's just hard to coordinate with everybody, you know? Um, Like, totally understandable. But I went from having what I thought was this A team of a handful of dudes to it being just me. Nobody could go. And that was uh was not gonna lie kind of kind of a daunting prospect i was gonna go solo i was gonna do it myself if i had to and then as nate mentioned we were out scouting he's like dude why don't i just go i didn't use any of my vacation since i killed a ram on the second day of my hunt um maybe we could both go and i was like yeah that's why didn't we think of this sooner so yeah, it ended up just being the two of us and wouldn't change it. That's cool. Let's, uh, let's hop back into the story. You guys, you know, you mentioned that night one storm hits, wake up to fresh five inches where things go from there in terms of continuing to lay out the hunt. Yep. So fly in day one, I could been in the mountains, <clears throat> make camp running a teepee wood stove, which is worth mentioning because it was so clutch in that kind of weather. Um, wake up day two, all that snow and we're stocking all day. I mean, the high country above us, you could not see a single peak, a single hillside visibility was maybe 300 yards max and it just wouldn't break. So we spent first half of the day melting, melting snow for water, telling bad jokes, just doing things you do when you're socked in. In the afternoon, it broke a little bit or seemed like it might so we actually split up nate went out the glass to the west i headed up over into the east i think collectively we got 20 minutes of glassing in i mean you just couldn't see anything it was just fog and clouds rolling through everywhere so it was more or less a lost day and we bedded down that night um the camp we were staying in i feel like any guy who's spent a number of nights in the backcountry. We camped in about the only flat spot we could find, but it just so happened it was in that in one of those spots where the dirt is just like soot, where anytime you touch it, it just plumes. Mm-hmm. You know, there were. So we nicknamed Camp the Dirt Hut because we both looked like a couple coal miners. <laughs> <laughs> Two days of staying in this place. I mean, we're just. We just look atrocious. We we look yeah. at each other like, do I look as dirty as you? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you look filthy. Oh, it was ridiculous. Uh, you know, we're laughing. We're having a good time, even though <clears throat> in my mind, I'm like, son of a gun, we're we're losing time. You know, we yeah, you want to be hunting. Yeah, I want to be hunting. Want to be, you know, doing things effectively and efficiently. So, wake up the next day, and <clears throat> per our in reach forecast it looked like we might have a break in the weather late in the morning so we broke camp got ready to move as the clouds are breaking and got back on 
track, climbing to the higher country towards that lookout I'd mentioned. And we'd climbed for an hour or two. It was early afternoon and the weather had broke. It was sunny, clear. You could see all over and we bumped into some elk along the way. And it was just a really nice, nice morning of hiking in the wilderness. And we crest a ridge and we're looking back to the west. And I could see into a couple of the drainages that Caleb, um, the resource I'd mentioned, had told me about where they had shot rams. And we sat down to look back that way, knowing that was you know, one of the spots we had to check out um, in our climb to the top. And we'd been glassing for, oh, half hour, 45 minutes. And everything we're looking at is about a mile to five miles from us. So it's, it's not close. I mean, you're on the spot or just trying to pick apart every little thing to the best of your ability at that distance. And I hadn't seen a ram in the wild ever at this point, you know, and all my scouting and all my work, I never spotted one. So we're looking and I'm panning across the hillside and all of a sudden I just see a brown spot that looked odd and I, kind of refocus and I see four spots heart rate goes up a little bit and you never want to be that guy when you're glass with a partner who's like making noise you know like oh what's that like getting people excited <laughs> you know <laughs> so I'm looking and I'm like those could be deer it could be sheep and kind of just look at a little different angle I'm like holy smokes that's four rams <laughs> and I look at Nate I was like hey Nate He's like, yeah, I just found four rams, man. He's like, really? No way. Uh, that, I don't know that I've ever had a more uh, satisfying feeling finding something through yeah. the glass. And that was, you know, it went from a glorified camping trip to a hunt at this point. Yeah. And the unit I'm in, there's so many stories about guys going in there and never even seeing a sheep. Now that in and of itself was a big accomplishment, you know, game on. So this is early afternoon of the third day and drawing a line on my Onyx as the crow flies, they were two and a half miles from us. So we spent the better part of the rest of the day just traversing and side hilling through what was more or less a minefield of snow and scree and, you know, and you've got that few inches of snow over sticks and deadfall just everything i knew wants to move you want to kind of like slide down everything we did that all day cross over to these these animals that's so exhausting moving oh, in, that, in those just, conditions yeah we fell i snapped the trekking pole it was just yeah yeah it's it's fun but not fun type right. two if you will yeah and by about six o'clock, we get across Canyon from these rams. And to paint a picture of the country in ranging the sheep, they were 1500 yards straight across from us. And then if you looked at your top of lines on your map where we were, it was 2000 feet straight down to the bottom and 2000 feet straight up the other side to them and 1500 yards across. Wow. So even though they're, you know right there they're they're just not right there it's it's just big gnarly country and it's so cool i mean 
looking at these sheep and traversing through this country is just the it's an experience i hope anybody who likes spending time hunting in the mountains could experience someday because it's just a joy but anyways we get over to the spot we know we can't get over to them it's dark around seven so i set to making camp nate keeps eyes on the sheep and we put them to bed uh, we got to watch them um see the areas they were using and it gets too dark we bed down for the night <clears throat> next morning day four we're up well before first light and we're sitting at our little perch looking out to where they they'd last been gets light find them within five minutes of it getting light i mean right away and we watched them for 10 15 minutes and boom socked in again clouds rolled in on us weather rolled in on us on us and you couldn't see anything visibility was 100 yards at this point so we were in the tent almost that whole morning and it was really beneficial to have nate along because he'd actually gotten to watch sheep even though his hunt may have sounded short-lived like in his scouting 15 minutes of experience you had nate that was yeah (laughs) 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 yeah (laughs) it was it was really beneficial though he's because he felt confident he's like they're not gonna move man he's like yeah we've just got to slow play it and that was that was really confidence instilling even when we were grounded and unable to kind of take things into our own hands we just had to be patient and it was nice to have nate along because of his confidence and knowing those animals would, would likely stay where we'd last seen him so around noon weather kind of broke enough so that we could go out and look again we relocated the sheep and within 50 minutes nate's looking at me like are you gonna go kill one of those things <laughs> i was like yeah i'm going man so i grabbed my pad bag tarp back rifle everything i needed to to shoot sheep and to potentially stay the night over there because i knew it could be an all-day ordeal nate the plan was for nate to stay on the glass we're running radios which is you know totally fine in idaho and a big asset on a hunt like this so i leave nate a quarter after 12 i drop down into the creek bottom found some some water down in that bottom actually and got a quick drink start pressing up the other side and as soon as i get in touch with nate and start moving up the weather really turned i mean it would be a squall that rolled through hard uh, um from from the west moving from west to east which uh, the trajectory i was on i couldn't get too high because i was going to come up to the west of these rams so i was trying to be really careful not to push it too fast when we'd have that weather cycle running through then that stop and a thermal would rip up out of the bottom wind would be going just blowing up out of the bottom it was just wild wild weather i mean it'd go from snowing to windy to sunny splotches in in minutes it kind of felt like springtime weather and the way it played out i'd climb a few hundred yards wind would change i'd stop sit behind a rock i'd touch base with nate he might see him at one point other times like i can't see anything and the way it played out over the course of about four hours i finally got up 
behind, I guess, I, I was basically in an avalanche chute, and I was to the west of these sheep, and there was a prominent ridge uh, that dropped between us and the sheep, and then an avalanche chute between me and the sheep that was sort of shielding me uh, in the event any wind came ripping out of the west. So I was hunkering behind this, and the wind finally changed and started com- coming up out of the bottom, and I decided to crawl up over this ridge and look across this abbey chute. So I crawl up over there and I'm looking at the different geographic features and Nate and I had named some features before I went over there so we could keep in touch and properly communicate as to where I was and where the sheep were. And I'm looking at these rocks and like, I think that's tabletop, which is one we called. I think that's Grundle Point. Don't ask me how we came up with that name. (laughs) 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 But I'm looking, I'm like, holy smokes, I'm I'm quite a bit closer than I may have realized. And I started drawing lines on my map. And I realized I'm within 300 yards of where Nate had last communicated that he'd seen the sheep because they'd been just below Grundle. So I lay out, I range a few points across this abbey chute and everything's about 200 yards to the opposing ridge and i radio nate like hey man here's where i'm at can you see the sheep he's like i saw him below grundle but it's been a minute it seemed like they were standing and facing your way i said okay i'm gonna lay low you know if nothing plays out soon i may try to push in real close and make something happen he's like yeah man i'd probably just stay patient but at this point, it's getting later in the day. It's five o'clock, and you know you don't want to push it, but you kind of want to make things happen at the same time. So I say, okay, I'm gonna go quiet. Check back soon. Um, radio's off. When weather rolls in again, I can't see a hundred yards. I can't see across this abbey shoot, but I know I can't move at this point because. I'm so close to the sheep and if they were coming my way, if this weather rolls out, they could be a hundred yards in front of me and have moved in on me. So I'm getting snowed on and windswept on this ridge, just waiting for the squall to roll through. It clears and radio Nate again to see if he could see anything. He couldn't hang up and probably five minutes after hanging up, all of a sudden, boom, Ram pops up over the top right in one of the pockets I'd ranged 200 yards and that was just like a holy cow moment like <laughs> this, this really might happen like we might actually get a, get a shot here and the boom another ram pops over another ram pops over the first one was was the biggest one we'd seen we'd nicknamed him tank the second one was a little juvenile we called Mr. Nanners little banana head and the next one was a younger ram but a full core ram we called pretty boy and there's this other one that i wanted to get a look at we called the wide one or no name and we determined we'd try to shoot tank or, or that wide one so i'm looking at these sheep um, as i mentioned the, the weather had just broke but it in a matter of a couple minutes between when they popped over it starts snowing again and the wind's kind of doing weird things and it felt like another squall was going to roll through so I'm trying to get a look at this or find this poor sheep just to get a look at all of them, but he never showed. And they'd fed down off this ridge a bit. I mean, it was 190-ish yard shot, and 
tank, the big old, big old Ram just turn broadside. And I don't know that I've ever felt more set up for a shot. I've been laying there for, for quite a while. I was on the bipod. I was using my tarp as a butt rest on the back of my gun. I mean, I'm just totally dialed. I'd had time to settle down and just high shouldered him one shot. He's dead 25 yards from where I, where he was standing when I shot him. Mm. And That's awesome. Yeah, it was, I mean, clean, quick, efficient, and just, yeah, how you, how you draw it up, really. Um, yeah. There was there was a about a five-second little freak out in my mind. I, when I shot, the gun barked a little bit, and I came off the gun to look, and I didn't see him drop right away, and I saw three rams run over the ridge. And I'd never seen that other one come over. So I'm like, did something happen? Did I just miss? Because um, those three rams were running away, you know? Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I could hear rocks sliding. And I could see this ram falling down through the rocks just 20 yards, 25 yards from where I shot him. So it's worth noting, I, I got back on my gun and I kind of slid to my left, like moving my gun with me to look at him through the scope. And uh, confirmed he was dead. Get on the radio, and Nate's like, "What's going on?" <laughs> I'm hearing booms. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Ram down, buddy!" Oh. And I hear Nate 1,500 yards across Canyon just let out a woohoo. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't see him through the clouds. It's snowing, but I could hear him, so I whooped back. And you know, at this point, it's kind of all sinking in. And he's like, well, what's the plan? I'm like, I'm going to go get hands on him, and I'm going to have to stay here tonight. So I'm going to go get hands on him, and I'll I'll check back. Um, I can just keep rolling the story or if there's yeah. anything you guys oh, yeah. want to I mean, hear. I, that legit my next question of, like, I know this is happening late in the day, so what does the next night look like, and how does that play down? You know, you guys are separate, that type of thing. So, Yeah. Yeah, so I I get over the sheep. That was just yeah, every, everything you'd hoped to be walking up on a on a bighorn sheep, a once in a lifetime deal, amazing experience. But I get over to him, and he was in this. It's really steep, nasty country, as we keep saying. But he's in this tree field, and it's been snowing hard ever since I shot him. It only took me, you know, twenty minutes to get over there. But there's already an inch of snow piling up around me and I took a quick picture where he was, but I knew I couldn't work on him where he was. So I knew I had to move him. So I go to move him and I was trying to be really careful. Um, I think I was just kind of smoked on my feet, super tired. So I go to move him and I just slip, <clears throat> eat it, fall into the rocks, ram tips. And we both started sliding through the scree field. I'm like, Oh, I got to let him go or I'm going down this thing too. So I let him go, and he flipped five or six times, like head over horns, d- shooting down this abbey shoot. And I'm like, oh, my God, this thing is going to go to the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> like, this is not good. And somehow he only went 56 yards, and he hung up in some rocks. And I went down there, and I was able to dig out this spot in these cliffs and pull him into it got a really cool picture where he ultimately ended up resting for the night. But, uh, the, the weather broke and I was able to get some, some great pictures and 
this point I'm like, okay, it's, it's really getting late. I got to make camp. I'll come back and work on the ram after I get camp set. So I walk back up to this ridge and I legitimately kick out of bed, you know, dig out rocks, kick out of bed. And I go in my pack to grab my tarp and my tarp's gone. <laughs> I don't have my shelter. And it's snowing again at this point. Two, three inches have come down since I shot the sheep. And it's it's just a winter storm, essentially. I'm like, holy smokes, I don't have a shelter. Like, <laughs> how did I do this? And I remembered I was using it as a rest on my gun. That's why I mentioned oh, when, yeah. I, when I moved, when I when I shifted to watch the ram fall through the rocks. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I must have just bumped it or like... Or maybe it's just sitting there. I just forgot to grab it, kind of in the excitement of everything. So I shimmy back over to where I was, and I don't know exactly what happened. My gut feeling is I knocked it off this little cliff I was on, and it tumbled into oblivion. <laughs> but I couldn't find the tarp anywhere. I couldn't find my shelter. So that wasn't panic, but it's definitely not the most uh, appealing situation to be in, not having shelter in a storm. So. I go back and I start looking around and I found a what really was the nicest looking tree I'd seen in a long time. It was kind of a dry spot under this this pine tree and I was able to break off a bunch of limbs and build a lean to on a lower limb out of the pine bows from the tree and I dug out a flat spot in the rocks and then on the other half of the tree was a bunch of dead timber that I was able to break into firewood. So I built myself a little shelter for the night, got a fire going, I went and gutted the ram left him for the night and then came back and stayed up till 11 or 12 that night just getting dry i was soaked to the bone at this point and it was honestly kind of kind of nice to just just be there uh, in that wild of a place and having to kind of just make things work given the situation at hand knowing there's a big old ram <laughs> dead just down the ridge mm-hmm. uh, Kind of a kind of a hard thing to describe, really. Um, having to spend a night out under the stars after shooting a sheep in the wildest place I've ever been, but it was just cool. Like just everything you, you'd hoped it would be. Man, yeah, that's like you can talk about it all you want, but like the actual experience, there's just they're, I'm sure it's hard to convey. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is because it really sucked a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like our packs are so damn heavy, and you're you're melting snow for water, which that just became kind of your daily routine. I mean, I I only I shot the ram; it's only been four days, but you know, I feel like after a couple full days and a third day you kind of get ingrained in the rhythm rhythm of things and being back there you know that just kind of becomes the way it is but you're just working all the time you know and that's what this hunt hunt was it was just you were always working and it's always hard but it's the kind of hunt where so many times i'd catch myself being like oh all right this isn't fun but i don't want to be doing anything else this is (laughs) yeah there's no no place in the world i'd rather be um i think that's what's special about it yeah the hardest ones are always the most memorable yeah yeah and we were just getting started at this point i mean this was the easy part (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so how far are you from an airstrip or where you're getting picked up well as the crow flies i think we were seven miles from our airstrip as the crow flies Uh uh-huh 
Um, but it, it was a heck of a lot longer than that with the route we had ultimately had to take to get out of there just because of, of the terrain. Um, after <clears throat> bedding down that night, Nate worked his way over to me the next day and I, I boned out everything, caped out the ram. Um, I, I, I guess I don't like putting specs to thing all specs to weight and distance and stuff all the time, but I think it's worth mentioning in this instance because i was at 57 pounds the at the airstrip when we flew in my pack with water my gun is heavy it's over 11 pounds i think it was at 64 so we're not light going in um at this point we've shed a little bit of weight in food but that ram i ended up getting 55 pounds of meat off him and then the head in cave but I, I don't know exactly what it weighs but i think it's around 40 pounds so <clears throat> between the two of us and all of our stuff I, you know we're over 100 pounds a piece <laughs> and a lot of guys think they've carried a 100 pound pack but it, i don't know i mean i remember on the death hike last year steve <laughs> yeah <laughs> this sadistic sense of making us pack rocks for 18 miles we're it was all, all preparation <laughs> yeah it was i mean that stuff helps yeah. um but yeah, the reason I bring it up is because it, you know, I'm proud of the fact that we were able to do what we did. Yeah, um, yeah. We, had the, we had the gear to do it. We had good packs, your guys' packs, killed oh, yeah. it, crushed it. Um, we had good gear, good boots, and, and a good mindset. And when we set off um, that next day when Nate came and met, we, met me, like I said, we're ridiculously heavy. And we had to climb up and over a mountain, drop down a backside, and... We got, we got kind of pigeonholed into a box canyon, and we thought we'd get out that night. But what took place over the course of that day was some of the hardest hiking and most dangerous hiking I'd ever done. I mean, we were having to go down and cross this creek that's just choked out with willows, and then we'd have to go up through a street field or like around a, a cliff to get out of the bottom because it was choked out with abbey debris i think we went three miles and seven hours, hours eight hours oh i mean it crap. was just absolutely i mean like you just feel like you're not getting anywhere um, i was blown up at that point yeah <laughs> i was just like I was falling and just slipping everywhere. It was dangerous. Yeah. It, it got to the point. It was getting dark. We'd seen a trail on the map that we thought may or may not be there. And we got to that point and it wasn't there. And we're like, man, I think we got to stop for the night. And if you got any competitive bone in your body, you know, I think it's easy to get in that mindset where, where you, if you tell yourself you're getting out, that's the goal. And kind of having to admit that you need to stop kind of sucks. Right. But yeah. that was the right decision. We, we ended up stopping for the night and somehow found a flat spot. We had water in the bottom. We got a ripping fire in the teepee going and <clears throat> crashed out around midnight and got up the next morning, took our time. We knew we had all day, but it was worth it because the next day ended up being even harder and, and more dangerous. It was more of the same, but we had to traverse up around and through a lot of cliffy zones, no fall zones, where if you rolled a rock or, or slip, you're you're going a long ways down but the whole time we're it's again to bring it back to the kind of type two thing like it, it was really hard but multiple times i looked at nate and we're 
smiling like, <laughs> I can't believe we get to do this. I can't believe we got the chance to do this. Like, how lucky are we that we're capable of doing this? I mean, this is mm. this is the real deal, man. And the country is just gorgeous. It's beautiful and, and wild. Um, but it took us all day to to get back to a trail that we'd left the previous Saturday. We're two, di- two days into carrying the sheep out on our backs. Um, yeah, it was 5 o'clock, just after 5 o'clock on the fourth day when I shot him, and just after 5 o'clock on the sixth day when we finally made it back um, to civilization, if you, if you will, mm. back to the river. Yeah. Uh, it's quite an ordeal. Wow. That's yeah. such a cool story. A lot of goosebumps thinking about just, yeah, you guys packing out through those cliffs. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, <sighs> Dream about that yeah. all year. Yes. It's, yeah. I'm, we were sitting down kind of talking about hopping on the podcast with you guys and <clears throat> to bring a full circle, we were joking and watching. There's a video of that day. We drew the tags back in May and to think about everything that's transpired from that time till now to talking to you guys about it. It's a really cool way to look at um, how special of an opportunity it, yeah. it was to get to do that. You know? Yeah. I'm curious, uh, being a gear nut, is there any, you guys drew the tags, Paul, obviously rifle came up. Is there anything that like, okay, this, you know, optics boots, anything that you guys looked at your current list you had and you know, knew you needed to upgrade? Uh, do you have anything off um, top of your head? Well, I did. I will say that I picked up the 4800 K3 for oh, yeah. the season. I mean, I was going to get it regardless, but yeah, it definitely was my first big, you know, hunt with that pack. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, I don't know. Would, did you invest in any glass? Uh, no, well, I got. I guess I picked up a spotter, but I didn't carry it for this hunt. Right. We only carried one spotter. Yeah, we we brought. I brought my twelve by fifty razors, and uh, my eighty five mil spotter. You had your tens, ten by forty twos, and we brought a yeah. pair of fifteens. We had a lot of glass on the hunt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, we had. We were. That was. I mean, the whole whole idea of, of that hunt and what i learned about sheep hunting is glass till your eyeballs fall out unlike anything else like just glass 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 so we were pretty dialed on that front but gear wise man i mean not, obviously we work for an apparel company so that was not yeah <laughs> an issue um <laughs> had some decisions to make as far as what exactly we were going to take um mm-hmm. and where in terms of weight and space but we're you know, pretty fortunate to be dialed on that front. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I, it's interesting to me, um, having gone on a sheep hunt now, I, I don't know that I'd call myself a sheep hunter, but I've done it. And it's not like you have to have all the best stuff in the world to, to get it done. I feel like so many, um, kind of media outlets out there or, or people talk about sheep hunting like you have to have the best gear in the world to do it you have to be in the best shape in the world to do it you like you you need this to be a sheep hunter when at the end of the day i, I think you just need to be willing to go and be willing to deal with some adversity and make the best of your situation you know mm-hmm. nate nate i mean you're 
boots or they work, but oh yeah, you were like broken laces on day two. <laughs> like, I had it all just yeah, yeah. non insulated, non water. My feet were soaked the whole time, so oh, that, was like, that was no good. Yeah, so. I think yeah, I think there's a lot to that when it comes to sheep hunting in the gear side because on one hand there is this legitimacy of this is a once in a lifetime hunt for most folks, a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. hunt. You don't want any variable of like a gear or something failing to mess it up, to cut it short. Like you said earlier in the hunt, Paul, like I don't want anything to take me off this mountain. Right. And so it, it, to some extent gear becomes really important. But then I think on the other hand, I, there's like this other demographic demographic of sheep hunters that have the money. Um, and so I think it's really easy from like, this marketing perspective to like convince people with money to buy really expensive stuff that they may or may not need, if that makes sense. And so I think truly like when it comes to sheep hunting, like that's a factor that comes into play, which doesn't apply to you. Right. But there's this whole other demographic of sheep hunting and it does apply to. Yeah, no, no doubt. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like gear is really important. I mean, we had good sleep systems, good packs, good boots, good apparel. I mean, we had everything we needed to stay up there, but, we also weren't like overdoing it, I guess. It's like, yeah, I feel like the average guy can can do that if they want to do it at a reasonable cost. I mean, we weren't. Yeah, it, it's not outlandish. I mean, you use the stuff if you like doing things outdoors and all kinds of other scenarios. So it's not like you just have to have this like sheep hunting setup. Maybe I'm getting a little off track there, but we're a couple of dudes from the Midwest, <laughs> born and raised. I mean, if we can go do this. Uh, obviously we're in a fortunate situation with our line of work and and the people we get to be exposed to like like you and steve mark but at the end of the day like if you want it and it's a place and a space you want to be in and you're lucky enough to draw the tag like you can go get it done and it's a wonderful opportunity to to anybody that wants to go experience that kind of thing right I had to laugh earlier when you guys were talking about the story uh, at Paul, you were, you had left Nate and were, you know, pursuing the sheep and got fairly close. And when you were talking about naming the sheep, I think it's obviously worthwhile because they are hanging out in a band and you want to be able to communicate with your partner clearly. But I had to laugh knowing your guys Midwest background of like, these guys went from the prototypical, (laughs) like looking at trail cam pictures and like, Oh, that's the big eight to now being in the back country of Idaho (laughs) naming sheep instead. Like that's a, (laughs) I mean, it's funny, you know, when you're back there for X number of days, your mind just starts working a little differently too. I think like the littlest things become funny and, just naming them like you feel like you get to know them a little bit and yeah it's a good time right yeah <laughs> cool well man there's there's so much more we could cover guys but uh we're taking up your morning i'm sure you got to get to the office as well so thanks for the time and sharing it i'm we, as we happen to be recording this we're getting ready to kick off show season and i'll be seeing you guys in a oh, couple yeah. weeks i can't wait to hear more of the story but for the podcast listeners we'll cut it here and thanks for the time Yeah, thanks for having us on, fellas. Yeah, seriously, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can contact us directly by email. Just send it to podcast at exomountaingear.com. Or if you want to subscribe to receive future episodes, just hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.